welcome to Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast, where we explore marketing trends and technology, gaining insider knowledge from the industry's best. Fjord is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and software development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we'll be talking with Tyler Piggott from Loan for Creative. Um, welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, thanks for having me. This is classic because we went over this right when we started. And it was like, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> Did I say it wrong? <laughs> It's outstanding. Oh, man. Because of the fact that you told me to make fun of you if you pronounce yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my last name is pronounced Pygit, but to be honest, I mean, I'll respond to most things, which is awesome. Anyway, Joe, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, you killer, did give me killer way to start it. Yeah, don't ever give me the wrong, wrong <laughs> example because it gets stuck bad, in my head. Yeah, oh, bad perfect. teaching. Sorry. Well, yeah, well, you, I mean, good segue into you throwing me off the lead here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm done all my research. I think like a week ago, I sent you this nice video about like how, like what to expect and where the information's going to be and how to join the the call. And and last night I'm doing my last prep and I'm checking your background just so I can remember everything. And I see this post on LinkedIn um, and would love for you to describe what just, what was announced in the last 24, 48 hours as we're recording this in early November of 23. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I kind of threw a a curveball or a sideways ball at you um, last minute. So our agency actually got acquired um, a couple months ago, but it's kind of real life right now by a company called Hawk Media. So a larger um, organization, a couple hundred employees. Um, And primarily, there's a couple different reasons. For us, it was super fun to be able to kind of look at what our growth trajectory and how we want to help clients and what we're seeing in the marketplace and some maybe potential like talent or skill kind of deficiencies that we've tried to hire for and tried to get good at and all those types of things. And so for us, it was great because we've built a business kind of in that B2B space, helping brands clarify their brand, their message, their story, positioning, rolling that out into all their materials, websites, public facing things, inbound marketing tactics, all these things. And we've constantly been trying to figure out, hey, that more like performance style marketing where it's like, hey, we need this by this date, ready, set, go. And, you know, we've been okay at that over the years, but I wouldn't give us like a, you know, top tier marks. And so um, as we were kind of looking for, a, you know, continuing partner and what the next five years would look like, that's one of the things we looked for was a performance agency that's just really good at that. So excited about what that kind of bringing us together and what that mix looks like over the coming months and years. Awesome. And just in case folks want to look it up, um, how do they find more about, you know, Lone Fur Creative is with F-I-R as yeah. in a tree, a tree. Yeah. Um, but uh, tell anything unique about Hawk Media as so people can find that organization as well. Yeah, so it's Hawk with an E, so H-A-W-K-E media.com is their main kind of website. Um, the article or kind of like the press release that Joe was talking about was on my LinkedIn page. So feel free to check out my LinkedIn or connect me on LinkedIn and check that out. Um, but like I mentioned, they're kind of, they're a, they win awards and performance marketing all the time. That's kind of what they built their, their business on. And so excited about kind of marrying the two loan for creative is not going away. Um, it is still a brand. It's still a company. It still exists. We're still serving clients and taking on new clients and, and helping people all, all the time. Um, but it, we're getting to kind of marry with the, the engine of a larger agency. And if you've spent time in the space, there's uh, some cool stability that happens with that, both for clients and for staff and all that good stuff. Um, and so anyway, we're, we're pumped about it. 
Cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and glad to hear you're continuing on and, and still doing your thing. So um, we're still talking about Loan for Creative, but it's great to have that little bit of background, which for leads sure. me into my one of my favorite questions is like, I mean, we have a a tra- like we have a date in time that is going to be uh, a memory of yours. But let's go back a few steps before that. I know you've kind of started and, and run Loan for Creative over a, a period of years, but Tell me more about your background. Like, how did you get into the agency space? Um, what did you do before you started Loan Fur? You know, all of those sorts of things, so we can kind of learn a little bit more about you along the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a great question. I don't know how early to start. Uh, I've lived an entrepreneur in a family my whole life, so I didn't really have a choice. Like, you kind of just get, you know, uh, bred into the fact that you're probably going to start a business at some point or be some sort of entrepreneurial kind of itch at some point. And so, um, I started my first company when I was in high school, and it was a DJ company. So this was back pre-iTunes, pre-Spotify, uh, compact disc CDs back in the 90s, uh, and started DJing weddings, events, corporate things, parties, all sorts of different things. And I was able to pay my way through college, leave college with no debt, um, make an actual pretty decent living for a college student, um, and work three days a week. Um, and so that was kind of my first gig into it. Uh, my degrees in communications and broadcast, I thought I wanted to do something in the kind of broadcast space. So think TV, TV studios, um, and then found out that those primarily those good jobs were in either LA or New York, at least at that time. And didn't really want to move, had met a gal and ended up, she's now my wife. And so, um, you can imagine not wanting to leave where I was currently at, at that point. And so, um, I got a job at a broadcast studio that was close to here that we did national televised commercials. And um, kind of cut my teeth there out of out of high school, or excuse me, out of college. Um, and then fast forward to this was the early two thousands. And if you think about what was happening that time in the video space, it was lots to do with animation. So think the first Pixar movies and lots of those types of things. And so um, one of the things that at our studio that we were trying to figure out was building a render farm. So you're creating all these still images and putting them all together to be a moving picture. You need a lot of render power. So that's lots of different computers connected together. And so that was one of the special projects I was working on. And the reason I say that is because that opened the door for a ton of opportunities for me over the next like five to 10 years around consulting, of getting my you know foot in on different companies, all that kind of stuff. And so worked at a couple of different startups, a couple of different big corporations. Um, and then that kind of really introed me into the ability to work on some bigger branding projects for some different companies. I know that's a weird way of getting in there, but at the same standpoint, it's kind of however you get your foot in the door sometimes. Is well, and it's something the be- yeah, the best way to even to, to this day is finding the first person who's willing to pay you to do something and, and continually learn, right? You're, yep. pro- you're making an investment that first time, but you still, it helps to have some, it still helps to come close to breaking even on your first project instead of doing it for free or something like yeah. that, right? hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. So, um, worked for an investment company for a while and that investment company would buy technology, flip them into like consumer products, launch brands, roll out those brands, tons of sales, that kind of thing. And so I actually pitched for the opportunity to run this consumer beverage product. So think about the days before enhanced waters, enhanced beverages. And when you go into a grocery store now, it's like four aisles. It didn't always used to be that way. It used to be like an end cap. And that was about it at a grocery store. And so pitch for that opportunity and got it. Um, it took six different tries uh, about over the course of about a year and a half. Um, and finally, they gave me the opportunity. 
And then I created a brand, ran it through a test market, sold it every grocery store up and down the West Coast and took it from basically nothing, couple bottles, couple bottles sold a month to thousands and thousands of cases. And so I got to really cut my teeth on what does like creating a brand from scratch look like and what does it take to get traction behind it um, mixed with all the ins and outs of, you know, uh, production and everything like that. And so um, did that for about five years, um, learned a ton, had a ton of cool opportunities, sold to a ton of professional sports teams and athletes. So stories for days on all that kind of stuff, which was really fun. <laughs> Um, but I got, I was, I had young kids at that point and was not sure. interested in flying East to West, uh, sorry, West to East, I guess is what it is. Cause I live on the West coast. And so, um, up and down the coast is one thing when you're adding days on travel, it means you're going to be gone a lot. And I was already gone kind of two weeks a month. And so, um, I kind of had the opportunity, like natural fit to be able to like kind of exit from that opportunity and had no idea what I wanted to do. So naturally became a college golf coach because that's what everyone does ah. in between their careers. <laughs> sure. Yep. I mean, why um, not? Yeah. And so obviously college golf coach, not obviously, but if you're a college golf coach, uh, you probably don't get paid a ton of money. And so that wasn't something that was going to be, um, it scratched an itch, if you will, for a while, but it was not, definitely not something for long term. And so I was taking like kind of side consulting deals, side projects here and there, kind of more in that branding, marketing, sales space. Yep. And then over time, those projects just got bigger. They got, you know, one led to another, led to another, led to another. And over the course of probably three years, kind of said, huh, I think I need help with these like consistently. Like I need other people in the mix. And so 20, end of 2015, early 2016, I, I kind of just jumped off the cliff saying, hey, I'm going to start an agency. I want, I want a team. I want people that can do all these things better than I can. Um, and I love people and team building and that kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of how I stumbled, I would say, into the agency yeah. space. Not necessarily on purpose, but eventually it became on purpose. So, Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a great segue into to like, how did you how do you grow an organization? I, I think I think you told me a while ago that you maybe have 25 or 30 FTEs in in your in your group and your team. Like what are the what are the things that you've done effectively to get to that point and then now have you know been acquired by another organization? Are there some things or pointers that that you think made you successful? Yeah, I would say like the biggest thing that most people struggle with is control. Um, they want their hand in everything. They don't want to let go of anything. Um, and for you to be able to grow, you have to be able to pass uh, responsibility to other people, but you also have to pass authority to the other person so that they can also make decisions and have the authority to get a project done. That could be as simple as giving them a credit card and a budget. It could be as simple as giving them a team. It could be lots of different things to that, but we all know what it's like to be given responsibility for something, but not given authority to actually carry it out. Um, and so that I would say is one of the main things is as you're growing an organization, um, you kind of have to have something in this business in the marketing space for those that are listening that kind of run a pro services company. There's not a whole lot of assets to sell. Like you don't, you kind of are as good as your last contract you signed. You don't have this, you know, all this, you know, uh, physical inventory or hardware or, you know, machinery or buildings or real estate. Like you don't have any of those things. You might, if you're, you know, made some strategic moves over the last number of years, but it's not going to be a substantial enough to really anybody wants. And so most people are just looking for a book of business. And so that means you do have to figure out how to get large enough to where the, the organization can kind of function somewhat without you. You probably still mm -hmm. have a day-to-day -day role and that kind of stuff. 
Um, but a lot of that just starts with building a team and handing off responsibilities to different people and, you know, keeping them accountable, working with them, coaching them, providing a great culture, lots of different nuances and things to all of those. But um, I would say the main thing that I see a lot is just people, their unwillingness to like actually hand things off and get out of the mix of them. So cool. Yeah. And, and so as far as, um, Lone Fur goes, what what are the specialties that have gotten you to this point? Are there certain verticals or certain, you know, partnerships or anything that that really helped you also other than the people internally? Like what other things yeah. makes you different and, and what things do you do for your clients? Yeah. So a couple like two or three specific things uh, over the years that we've kind of run into and absorbed and and kind of made made part of our brand. So one of those is the really good storytelling and messaging. Um, so many businesses struggle with how to talk about what they actually do or sell and, and what problem they solve specifically. Most salespeople, most marketers just want to talk about features. They want to talk about how cool their product is, all that kind of stuff, but they don't necessarily focus on what's the actual problem it solves for people. So we've gotten really good at crafting messaging, um, specifically that, and then really helping biz- brands tell their story from that standpoint. Um, and so we follow this methodology called the story brand framework. Um, have for a number of years, StoryBrand certified agency, one of the first that existed in that community um, back kind of in 2017, um, and continually uh, have you know work with clients on those types of things. We've married that with with the vertical or the horizontal kind of specialty within the HubSpot space. And so, for those that aren't familiar with HubSpot, it's a CRM that has. Uh, so many different hubs at this point, but when, back in the day, it was primarily a marketing tool yep. and now it's all across services and operations and sales and, and everything. Um, but so we've kind of said, Hey, we're really good at telling your story and then rolling that out onto pretty much everything that HubSpot touches. Um, and so that can be websites that can be sales funnels that can be outreach on ABM campaigns. It can be all sorts of different things specific to what HubSpot kind of functions. in. so those are kind of like, I guess, some uh, different pillars, I should say, that have kind of that we've been able to build a business on. Yeah. And then we've got a couple different verticals, kind of like industry specific that we've gone after or that many clients have kind of fallen in over the over the last number of years, too. So. And what are those that uh, you kind of have done the most or uh, your premier work in? Yeah. So it's a, uh, over the last like three or four years, it's kind of been a, a mashup of healthcare, education and technology. Um, and the reason I say that's because oftentimes really since kind of 2019, 2020, it's been that merge of, you know, ed tech or health tech or med tech, like they're kind of everyone's starting to move into some sort of a technology platform and they need an expert that understands the tech background and tech way of, you know, marketing, selling, you know, oftentimes it's a $15 product that you need 50,000 customers for. It's not a $15,000 enterprise solution, right? Sure. Or it's the opposite. And they can be very different depending on exactly what they're offering. And so you need that understanding, but then also having that hyper-specific focus to, you know, sell into, you know, higher ed or academic communities or whatever that looks like um, has been um, a kind of a sweet spot, I suppose, kind of a, a bridge between lots of those different uh, verticals. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So um, I want to hear a little bit more about the um, kind of the HubSpot piece. I think one of sure. my, and we're a HubSpot organization, um, have been for eight or 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and we're an 80 person organization. It's a great tool for us. But as somebody is coming to you and like, 
what stage are they at when you're like, hey, this is, uh, is it somebody who already has HubSpot? Is it somebody who doesn't have a CRM at all? Are they coming from Salesforce, for example? Like, what are the stories that kind of like make you be able to uh, like propose or, or talk about um, HubSpot as a solution? Yeah, it's a good question. It honestly, it's a little bit all over the board. It's okay. changed and it's changed a lot over the years because yeah. 10 years ago, not as many people knew about HubSpot. There wasn't as many kind of HubSpot instances or portals. They've, you have, they have you know, hundreds of thousands of customers now. They did not have that. I remember going to an event when they just had crossed 20,000 customers and that was a really big deal. And I think there's 250,000 or something like that now. So, sure. um, like just the way, the amount that it comes up with it already existing, they're aware of it, um, is, is a lot more now than it used to be. Um, so there's lots of, there's two different entry points for, for most agencies or, or people that are kind of more that consultant or, you know, really helping you squeeze more dollar out of your investment into a platform. Um, one is the exactly what I just said, Hey, we already have the platform. What are we missing? We, we think it does all these things, but we're kind of, you know, tip of the iceberg. We're only 10%, we think, into what it actually does. Um, and we and we invest in it, and we're, and we're really trying to figure out how do we get more out of it. In the last year, that's heavy because people are less interested in spending more. They're trying to get more money. They're trying to get more value out of what they already spend on. Um, economy changes for that, all sorts of different factors for that, but that's what's been the last year. The other side of it's net new where it's, you know, they're, they're saying, Hey, we've got this Frankenstein together sales and marketing system across seven or eight tools, which, which means seven or eight different databases, which means seven or eight different data transfers, which means you can imagine yep. all the different variables that could cause problems or errors. And so oftentimes they're trying to go, how do I clean this up? Get this all together. I want reporting across all of it. What do we do? And so obviously HubSpot's like a top recommendation for some of those types of things. Um, I would say the other thing too is, is HubSpot's been built for the most part from the ground up. Um, and so I think of it as like, if you compare a house model of like, you know, you, you buy a remodel, sometimes you have to walk through the master bedroom to get to the bathroom or the kitchen because yep. they're just adding on, which is a descriptor of Salesforce in my opinion. Uh, HubSpot <laughs> was more of a new build where they really did take a lot of time to figure out kind of the user experience and making sure it was really easy to find things and it's fairly intuitive. Um, yes, they have acquired companies. Yes, they've integrated technologies, all those types of things, but they've just done it really well. Um, and they've so added the they've added the porch on and yep, maybe totally. the patio instead yeah. of you know needing to oh we've got a. a you know, a foundation that's cracked and, right. or, or adding a, a addition onto an addition. Like you said, you have to walk through a bedroom yeah. to get to a bathroom or something. Right. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like that's been a huge selling point, just the user experience. Hey, like Salesforce is great, but if none of your sales team ever log into it and use it, it's not worth 1200 bucks a license. It's just not. Um, and many, many, many people buy that tool for that. I'm just picking on Salesforce cause it's easy. Um, insert whatever other CRM or whatever you yeah, want yeah. to in the mix, because if you're not using it, it doesn't make any difference. And so yep. HubSpot I'd argue has made it a lot easier to work with. So you still have to be disciplined as a sales, like a BDR, SDR, whatever to use it, but it's a lot easier to use than the average. And so, um, that has been a big factor of it. And I would say that the other one has just been singular database. Like, I think people don't necessarily really think about Yo, but this one's cheaper, this one's cheaper, and this one's cheaper. And you're like, sounds great, but you're going to have three different places where you have your entire customer or lead base or marketing, you know, uh, network or database. And you now have to maintain three databases. That's how that's, that's how, what was real about that is 
much as you want to have zaps that go back and forth and whatever, you know, syncing things that you think is working, a singular database where I can work a lead that comes in and I know all their activity logged in their contact record before they can become a deal associated with a company. And then I can pass them to my, you know, service team after we've closed a deal and they can look back and see all the questions and meetings and have all the historical knowledge. Like you can do a lot with the ability to have like a singular focus uh, when you look at like a customer journey. Um, and sales, or I mean, and HubSpot's done a great job of kind of uh, building that. So I feel like I'm literally like a walking yeah. ad right now. So I apologize, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, well, I mean, in instead of paying HubSpot to have a singular database, you pay somebody like Fjorge to connect all three of your systems yep. instead. Yep. Which um, there are some cases where that makes know, sense. Like it's just not yeah, worth, you know, maybe sense. there's custom customizations that are customizations that are needed or there's, you know, it's maybe it's massive. Like we've talked to several people like that have huge NetSuite databases and they're trying to do all these complex things. And you're like, it's just not worth like, let's build this over there. Not like just grab something off the shelf and hope it works. Yeah. You know? so, like you said, if you have six or seven different things, can you get down to three? Right. Right. right? And that's that's maybe where the right value comes in for a lot of folks. Yep. Um, yeah, for sure. So I know that there are a number of like HubSpot partners and all that, but like, what? How do you think like doing things over and over in the same system with similar companies like adds value to the experience? For, I mean, obviously that's a lot of why people might be paying you to help. Yeah. because you've done it before and you have capacity but like where have you seen your particular expertise really help in a phase or a client or something like that where you can really share like that ah, do, do it this way versus that way that really like consulting aspect yeah it's a great question because everything you mentioned is kind of one of the reasons we went all in on hubspot like mo i don't we don't yeah. take any customers at this point through loan for that we that aren't on hubspot like it may, they might not be, and we're just doing a something separate, you know, not even touching their automation or whatever, or their, sure. or their CRM. But if we are, we're not working in any other platforms. And the main reason was because probably, <clears throat> I'd argue like seven to eight years ago, the every platform started to get deeper. Like there was a lot that got launched that were like really surface. Like they do a couple things and they do it okay. And then each of those platforms started to build on their kind of features, product development, all sorts of things got deeper. And you really couldn't be an expert at every platform. And so it was really difficult to staff that. It was really difficult to actually understand and know enough about an individual platform to be you know, helpful, even in, from a consulting standpoint. And so I think one of the things that's been helpful about jumping in all into HubSpot has been, we can take our knowledge from one client to another. I mean, we literally, you know, I was like, I mean, the idea, we built this really complex uh, chat, like chatbot kind of experience for a huge uh, assisted living community um, re very recently. And I mean, one of the reasons we were able to build it was because we were able to pull in so many different aspects of other projects we've worked on in the HubSpot platform. They look the same, sound the same, feel the same. It's just for a different brand or a different industry or whatnot. And so um, I think that stuff's really been helpful. And then it's also been really helpful to, like we've done a lot of data migrations. We've done a ton of migrations from other platforms, mm. you know, put them in into HubSpot. And so we kind of can look at that now and I can kind of, I know what questions to ask and we know what to sift through even before things touched to go, yeah, this is going to be a problem. These seven things aren't going to work. You need to outline your your process first, you know, whatever the the commentary is around that. 
And a lot of that's just because we've just know what you're going to run into five steps down the road before anything's even in HubSpot yet, because we've just, we've run into those things. We've fallen on our face enough times, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would, yeah, that part's helpful. And then I would say the other piece that I would say from a consulting standpoint, that's been interesting. We built a ton of websites on the HubSpot CMS. And okay. back in the day, the CMS sucked. And so I'm going on record saying that it is a lot better now. And uh, I've been, they've rolled out a ton of really cool enterprise type features. And um, one of the things that's been cool about that is we've gotten to build this huge internal moduled library. And so really what we have, like every website has a header, a footer, some sort of a hero image. Maybe it's got a video slider. It's got testimonial sliders. You've got logos. You've got like every website has this variation. It just looks different. And so we've kind of built these backend uh, modules that correspond with all of this, have all the usability, flexibility, functionality. Um, and so we can take, you know, hey, this project, we use this module on and we built this really cool whatever advanced functionality in it. And we can then take that to another client and use that on another client. And we can continually repeat that. And we've done that for five years now. And so you can imagine like a lot of the learnings from how this platform works, go from one website project to the next. And so the next, this person yep. that gets it now, I mean, it's, it's better than, than it, than it's ever been. It continues to improve. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of a couple different things that stick out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all the things as being HubSpot users and, and things where, you know, we kind of grew with the platform yeah. and we haven't, we didn't really jump into it. It was like, we need a CRM. This HubSpot thing looks cool. Let's start with that. And now, you know, we have the marketing automation tools and we use the CRM and we're like trying to take advantage of all those things. I'm sure there's things that we could be doing better sure. or different or features that you can turn a corner in there and be like, there's another feature yeah, totally. like that I'm not using and, and, and all of that. So, um, certainly, uh, you know, there's more advanced folks than us, but you can, you can just feel that kind of like vibe and, and have it be all in one place. So yeah. it's a, it's, it's a great tool. And, and thanks for sharing that knowledge about like how you get the right value out of it. If you're just getting into it, or if you're, if you are, someone who's using it but don't know how to use it even better like that's the kind of thing that that sounds like you guys are are, are really good at yeah. and have experience in as well sure. um and same goes same goes for development with yeah. us when you're doing something similar mm -hmm. um you know everything we do at a custom development shop is slightly different sure. but the more things that you do are that are similar the more things you can think of ahead of time, the better planning you can do, the less gotchas you're going to have at yeah. the end of the day, um, all of those things. I mean, there's hurdles in every project, but the much the most you can prevent those things really makes a difference. Yes, yeah. no, 100%. I think you're like you bring up a great example of like custom development. It doesn't mean you have to start with a blank canvas every time. You can have places that you jump off so that one, you could be more efficient for a client or faster or whatever it might be. But oftentimes it's like that kind of, there's a reason that, you know, like really experienced pilots still go through a checklist. Like they're still making sure they have all the right things in place so that it's a successful, you know, in that case, you know, flight and landing and all that good stuff. But for yeah, much yeah. of what we touch, it's very similar to that. It's just applied towards a technology platform or for you guys, you know, maybe it's a development platform or whatever that you're building on, but it means that you're kind of 
not guaranteeing, but you have the best possible outcome comparatively to just like winging it every time. Um, and so like that repeat. Pun intended yeah. or Well, not. that's actually, that was pretty good. I'm impressed. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, on that note, I love it. Tyler, un- unfortunately, that's all the time we have on today for Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Um, you know, thank you so much. You can find Tyler at loanfurcreative.com, where fur is F-I-R, as in the tree. Um, And thank you to our listeners. You can download episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Again, Tyler, really appreciate your time uh, and congratulations on your next step in your career. I'm excited to follow and and see how it goes. Thanks for having me, Joe. 